Hey gang, uh, today's podcast is a talk I gave at Shoe Palace in, uh, in, in Palo Alto for the K-Swiss Shoe Palace exclusive. Uh, as a matter of fact, little uh, fun fact, there's some more pairs there right now, shoepalace.com, check it out. They're selling for like 150 to 200 on eBay. I think they're 100 on the site. We had a little bit of mix up on inventory. We thought we were sold out, we're not. So it's a little pss, little secret for all the flippers who wanna make some cash. Uh, anyway, this is a great little talk about family businesses, um, uh, you know, culture, uh, current state of entrepreneurship. Please check it out. And also, real quick, before you listen, if you could just stop the podcast real quick and go leave a review for the podcast. I haven't been asking for that, it's hurting me. There's no reason for that. And by the way, whether you think it's a one star podcast or a five star, but it would mean a lot to me. So please go check it out. See ya. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be legends. Gonna get their attention. What we're doing here ain't just scary. It's about to be legends. All right, so we're gonna go through some questions. We're celebrating 25 years tonight. So that's, that's a huge milestone. And the quote that I love is, you have to be around to stay around. And I'm curious for both of you, what are the keys to building a long-lasting business? Well, for us, I want to say first off, thank you to Casey and Gary for making this happen, especially in the Bay Area, because we're from the Bay Area, and this is a big deal for us and our family, so I appreciate that. Of course. But um, for us, it's, it's about loyalty, it's about respect, it's about building something with people. And, and for Shoe Palace, it's like, we believe in the people, and we believe in our communities, and I feel like by us doing that, we're successful. And I think a lot of people forget that these days, because Everything turns into a transaction, and for us, it's more about the community. We treat people right, they keep coming back, and that's why I believe we're being extremely successful. So. For, for me, it really actually comes down to being quiet in your own head. I think the biggest reason people fail in creating a long-term business is they want short-term money to show other people that they've accomplished. The more I've played out the checkers and chess of all of this and why you see so much of my content going to stay quiet is because the reason people rush into bad behavior is they want fast cash for validation from the outside. What, you know, I was just backstage and uh, in, the, in, the, in the stocking room and I was just telling your partners, family, like, I'm like, I'm so cozy back here because in my 20s, which so many of you were in, I spent 15 hours a day in a store. And, and when I was 27 years old, most of my high school and college friends made fun of me for working for my dad's liquor store. I didn't make it. They went to Wall Street and got a BMW. I was working at my dad's liquor store. Like that was a huge failure. You weren't good enough to get a job somewhere. You had to work for your dad's liquor store. And so long before entrepreneurship was cool or could even carry something like a sneaker, it just wasn't. It wasn't cool. You know, my family's uh, wine library just celebrated its 30th anniversary, wow. so very similar parallel. So you know, growing up, it's not, it wasn't cool. And so ultimately, long, building something meaningful means you have to go slow as fuck. And in our world today, everybody wants to go way, way, way too fast because they're loaded with insecurity because they allow outside judgment to dictate their behavior. Almost everybody in America owns too much shit. <laughs> and if you actually had that money, if you went home, one of the whole thing with the flipping thing, that, do you know how much shit is in your home that you don't need? 
yet you need $5,000 to start your business? I'm like, it's in your fucking closet. (laughs) I think the biggest thing that I see going on right now is back to the same point. The reason so many people are infatuated with cryptocurrency or with social media or other things of that nature is because they feel it's fast. So many people lost so much money on Bitcoin in the last couple of years because they overextended themselves when it was 15 and 20,000, you know, and they maxed credit card. I mean, the emails that I get would break your heart. Like, people get caught up in the hype. They think it's gonna go to 100,000 a coin. They max credit cards, they borrow money, then they get underwater. That's the thing I'm most worried about in the macro with the economy. The only way you're gonna work 15 hours a day for 25 years is because it's your hobby. You don't do anything that much unless you fucking love it, right? Like to me, that's why I was, I always talk about being an entrepreneur before it was cool. It's because it's what I loved. It's, it, it's like if you were to listen to music, for, if you love music, and I said you literally for a living can listen to music for 15 hours a day and do extremely well, I wouldn't sign up for that. I don't wanna listen to music 15 hours a day, but I'm sure a lot of people would, or play tennis, or, or whatever. Like, and I think that the people that always succeed in the long term have found that thing. That thing that they genuinely like would do. Like I, I, would, I will never retire. It, it just will never happen. I just know it already today. I may get super old and like I might not be able to schlep around but like I'll go stand in a flea market and sell some shit. Like to me it's the thing I've, you know, it's really been interesting going through this journey you know, even for a lot of you, it's just interesting to analyze yourself as you evolve, as you get older. As a six to 12 year old, where I had unlimited freedom to play outside in the 80s in New Jersey, more than half the time, I chose to wash somebody's car, right? Shovel somebody's snow. So this is like deeply ingrained and I think I see it. I see it in architecture, I see it in teaching, I see it in public service, I see it in parenting. Like if you can just find your thing. Now for me, my thing also creates financial ramp. You know, for some people, if your dream is to teach, you know, like if you wanna teach in a public school, you're not gonna make a million dollars a year. So I think right now my fear, and even like this whole project, is I'm trying to talk a lot more about self-awareness, not just entrepreneurship, because I think people are getting caught up because there's just no way to be sustainable. The reason everybody's, I get almost 10,000 communications a week about how do I fix my laziness. And my answer is, and my answer is do something you like. Right, you're lazy because you're doing it for the money. And you don't like it. You just think it's gonna make you money. And so people are real estate agents because their neighbor's making money. And people are social media experts because they read something about me. Or they're gonna be a cryptocurrency trader. Or augmented reality this. And everyone's gonna be on VR. And the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. And, and this is why so many people lose. They chase cash. And to your point, like hard work is part of the equation. Like it's, it's just part of the equation. Because somebody's gonna outwork you. People like Gary, I, did a, I don't know if you guys saw this. I was flying here today. So I was like, got kind of caught up on work. I'm like, fuck it, let me just answer questions. So I did an Instagram post that I asked me questions, I started answering. People are like, yo Gary Vee, what do I do when my market gets really competitive and everybody wants to do the same shit? I'm like, you have to be better than everyone. <laughs> right, like, like it's so funny to like, there's a lot of sneaker stores. 
Like, you know, like you just have to be better. And so like, I'm just fascinated by people thinking there's some secret passive potion that you're gonna make a million bucks a year doing dick. (laughs) Doesn't exist. So you better figure out what you like because I was so bad at school because by 9.30 I looked at the fucking clock until I got out of there at three because I hated it. And so because I lived my childhood in hating something and not succeeding out of the hatred of it, the fact that 90% of people, careers are the way I did school and those are longer and take up a lot more of your life, that's devastating to me and we have to change that conversation. So the question I have next is about time management. Any tips to people out there who, like how, how does a day in the life of John or Gary look and how would you recommend people have more productive days doing whatever it is, whether it's something they like or not? For me, one of the conversations that I wanted to create clarity over the last three years is sleep, right? I answered that today. Somebody's like, how much do you, you know, a lot of people ask, how much do you sleep? And my answer is six, seven, or eight hours, and it fucks with people, right? Because they think I'm sleeping like an hour. Um, <laughs> and my point there is sleep's important. Like, I, I don't know like, who thinks they're gonna survive without sleep. Sleep's important. What's important for what I'm about is what you're doing when you're awake. I'm fascinated by people who like say, I hustle, I sleep four hours, but then watch three hours of YouTube videos a day, right? And so for me, as you know, and what you're referring to as somebody who interacts with me, is you know, Tyler's sending you emails like, can you do 11.30 p.m. to 12.30 p.m.? Like, I'm, every minute I have is programmed. It's like more like 11.15 to 12.25. Yeah, no, like, I mean, the amount of five and seven and 10 and 13, like, I, I basically, Tyler, what, I, I see your face, what do you think? It's eight, the eight o'clock until 11 p.m. is pretty much programmed to the minute with zero slots for anything but the next meeting. But I'm working out, right? But like, for like work, eight to 11 with zero lunch, zero downtime. Like, if I go take a piss, I'm cutting into some meeting. <laughs> now, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, that's matching my happiness and ambition. That is not for 99.9% of people. Time management needs to be predicated on what makes you happy and what is coming out of your mouth. The biggest thing I'm worried about is people are talking big game, but then their actions don't match it. So to me, it's happiness first and then eliminating hypocrisy. And that's how I think about it. So for me, it's that because I love this game. It's what I would want to do and my ambitions are great and I enjoy it. I want to spend 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. on a meeting to build what I'm building. It's, it's what I love to do. It's no different than being in the studio or painting or, you know, it's just what I love to do. John? I eat people's gilder. I'm curious because I'm, I'm I am probably both of you guys' biggest fans, and I like when, once you've made it, what continues to drive you to do what it is that you're passionate about? For me, it's um, it's a success, man. For us, it's like I always tell my whole team, like we gotta be number one, and it's like, what does that mean? And this we've been saying that since we had one store, two store, three store, and now we're just fucking everybody up. So it's like <laughs> the reason why we're doing that is because. They cannot work with us. And that's, we've worked with us and the whole team. And it's like, we have a great team. And it's like, when you treat people well, 
everybody works as family. 100%. And, and that's the key. Like, everybody in my office, like, I'm walking out the door at 9 p.m. and they're still there. I'm like, what are you doing? Go home. She's like, no, no, I got to take care of her. He got to take care of her. It's like, it shows me, like, damn, I'm the owner. And I'm running out the door at 10 p.m., 9 p.m. and they're still there. Yeah. It's just, it's all passion. It's like, when you love something like he was saying, it just, it just, everybody feels it. And if you don't, get the fuck out. Yeah. Sorry, you start cussing. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, for me, it's, um, I felt like I made it the way you're asking the question when I made $100,000 a year. That was like there's, I've never done anything financial and a lot of good things have happened to me that has remotely hit my radar more than the year I made 100000 a year. That seemed crazy, like whew. Um, and that goes to what I really think to this question which is it, it's playing the game. I, I would argue that if you really knew everything about me and you read it all, every action I ever did, you would look me in the face and ask me, why do you sabotage yourself in business and financial environments? And I would tell you that deep down, subconsciously, I love it so much that I just want it to happen forever. And so for me, making it is, is a, for, you know, it just, there, it, that's what, that's what blows me away about somebody who's like, I just need to make a million bucks and I'm gonna go to Jamaica, right? Or, or like, I, I don't have that. I don't have that in my head. I just wanna play forever. Um, and that's why I'm trying to get people to understand the process because I've, it is very clear to me that people that are in love with their craft and process can win and that's why I'm trying to change the conversation around how much money you need to be happy because it doesn't work. Like I just know unbelievable amounts of data of how many people have lots of money, how many people don't have lots of money by our standards, and how happy they are. And it doesn't take a lot of money to be, you know, to be alive in society. It's about what you spend it money on. I mean, I, I, I can't get over this. I just really wish people liked what they did. And the internet makes, where we got caught, why everybody in this room is caught, is you were parented by people that didn't have the luxury of a mature internet, and so there was no practicality around doing what you love. It's just not how the world worked. The internet, which everybody here, including myself, and including the man who was at the forefront of it in a lot of ways with what he did with the iPhone, is grossly underestimated. Like, like deeply underestimated. And so, I just, I just really want people to do what they like, it will work. They just have to eat shit for a long time. Like people are like, well Gary, I have debt, or this, I'm like cool. To live the life that you want, isn't it a good idea to punt the next six years, eat shit, give up, because the game's very simple. If you've got debt, or have to put a roof over your head, or somebody else, then you work, whatever job is paying you that. But I'm asking you what are you doing from 6 p.m. to midnight? And if you have to go build slowly your portfolio, your Shopify store, your Instagram account, your YouTube channel, your content, like, like, wouldn't you be pumped if I told you for the next four years it's tough and you don't watch as much Netflix and sports and hanging out, but then you get to live happy for the rest of your life? Everybody, in theory, would sign up for that. The reality is a lot of people don't wanna grind for four years like people don't like pain. It's why most people don't have six packs. I mean that, I mean that. There's a lot of people here who wanna be in better shape. You just don't wanna work out. You just don't wanna eat well. 
Like, I lived it for the first 38 years of my life. And then I got into better shape. I still hate it. I fucking was pissed this morning waking up at 5.55 to work out, but because I want it, and so I've gone through doing something that didn't come natural to me, that I hate to this day four and a half years later, but I just wanna live 15 years longer. And so for me it's like, if, you're, if any person in here is unhappy, I need to know every single minute you spend on anything but your job, because I'll tell you, taking those leisure hours, which you're using to escape your unhappiness, you're literally watching Netflix or sports or video, playing video games or listening to music to escape your reality that you're not happy about. I want you to take those hours and start building something that gets you off your issue. And it might take seven years, but it's worth it. You're gonna, everybody here is gonna live for fucking 60, 70 more years. People got tricked, 54 is young. 54 is young. And so people have terrible ability to put time in perspective, which is why their behaviors are so broken. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anybody got a six pack out there? Six pack? Show me, show right. me, show me. Let's, Let's go, yeah. let's go. My guy. Fuck okay. man, that was more like 10. Uh, that was pretty sexy out there. John, you talked about the people. I think that was super interesting when you say like you're leaving at nine and you see your team leaving at 10, right? Um, what is the importance of investing in, in the people and, and how do you inspire people who are, are looking to accomplish their dreams and how do you keep them going trying to accomplish your mission and, and your dream? For us, it's like, as long as you surround yourself with the right people, and it's, it's hard. Like, it's not easy just to surround yourself with just people that actually believe in what you believe. But I believe when you get that, and you feel that everybody's on the same mission. And I feel like every time we go into meetings, we're all like there, we're like, today's gonna be an hour meeting, it, it turns out to be two, three hours because we're passionate about what we're believing in. But if, if you gotta really, really invest in people. You can't just say, hey man, I love you, you're the best, and blah, 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 keep kicking ass, we're gonna take care of you in the races. That doesn't mean shit. Like when you keep talking money with people, it, it only goes so far. It's not, it doesn't, you don't create anything with your people. But when you actually sit them down and care for them and say, how is your mom? How is your How many employees do you guys have? Four brothers. Employees. Employees, 3,000. So it's, it's just, it's a lot of employees. And, and every year it keeps getting bigger and bigger. But it's like every time we go into stores, like we travel. I travel 20 days a month. My team travels 20 days a month, half of them. So it's like we, we talk to the managers, we talk to the people. And by doing that, People are like, damn, the owner came in and just actually bought me lunch and took me to talk to me. It's not Huge. like, oh, you gotta go to 15 people to talk to me. Half my team has my damn number, direct number. And it's like, it's because of that, they work hard. And it's like, I feel like if we keep investing in these people, you can't stop us. Because you gotta go through 3,000 people to stop us. You know, it's like, it's all family. So that's where I feel. It's real good. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I mean, he nailed it. To me, it's one-on-one -on -one marketing. What, you know, what Tyler cares about today is different than what he cared about 24 months ago. D-Rock cares about, Colin worked for me and because we had a real relationship, I helped put him on to the job he has today and that's why he's sitting here supporting me today. So even when they're out of the system, it's one big system. Karma is practical. Like doing the right thing is always the right thing. That is actually how humans work. It's why we're still here. Humans are inherently phenomenal. This is what's so fucking me up about our culture right now. We're spending so much time on the negative, 
rightfully so, there's so much political banter, there's so many people that are trying to get their fair shake, there's so much going on, I don't need to go there, but what it's done in the micro is makes everybody look at the negative instead of realizing this is the best moment to be alive. For anybody here who on skin tone or race or gender feels suppressed, talk to your grandmother. (laughs) Ask them if it's better in 2018 than 1974. Like people are confused. And so like we have a long way to go everywhere globe, but we, we, we lack, we lack looking at the truth and we lack optimism because most people are so scared to get tricked, they'd rather be cynical. I love when people are like, yo Gary Vee, but, but, but I keep it real. I'm like, no, no, you keep it real negative. <laughs> you keep it real cynical. You don't keep it real. Optimism is a strategy, I really believe that. Like, I believe that life is completely a perspective and like, to me, I'm solution oriented. Every day, every day, my inbox is filled my texts are filled with shit that cripples people. And for me, it's like, I signed up for this. If I want it, like everything's got a cost. Most people want all these great things. They're just not willing to pay the piper, the emotional piper. That's the shit that fucking sucks. Everybody wants to be an Instagram celebrity, but nobody wants anybody to leave a comment that they're ugly. (laughs) So everything has a price and perspective really matters. And so I, I think that staying in tune to what, you know, when you're building an organization, somebody comes in as a 23 year old, they want more money, right? As a 27 year old, they want a little more time because they just found the person they think they're gonna marry. Then they have a child, that, like, I mean, you know, then they want money again, then they want a title because the kid they came in with is now ahead of them two slots, but that kid worked 15 hours a day and didn't do relationship and, and it becomes this whole thing, but you've gotta keep listening. And that's what I heard from you right now and that is huge. Listen, if, you're build, if you're trying to build something, listen. That's where it comes from. I talk a whole lot, it confuses people. I'm spending almost all my time listening. That's why I read every fucking comment. That's me listening. Every time you don't see me posting or, being, or on live, unless I'm in a business meeting, I'm reading your comments. That's how I'm figuring out what the next piece of content's gonna be. And so that, I just, I'm just shocked in watching so many people here want to win and they're not replying to comments. They're not listening. It's so selfish. It's a mistake. And that's what every company in Boston does. It's selfish. And they think, I love that you said that. They throw money at shit or dangle the potential of money just trying to milk you for another six months. This has been a fantastic year of collaborations for the Shoe Palace team. Um, You've done collaborations with Converse, Timberland, Nike, Adidas, and and now K-Swiss. And when we were initially presenting Gary V, um, you guys were early supporters. Believe it or not, not everyone believed in what what we were saying, like entrepreneurship, they're the new rock stars, and and obviously Gary Vee knew, because he told me early on, he's like, what he told me, he was like, it's gonna happen, it's, it's gonna be D-Rock, popping. Yeah. we have the footage of the first meeting with Patrick. Yeah. We need to play that soon. <laughs> he's proved me wrong, like, <laughs> tenfold. Um, but, so thank you, first of all. Thank you for thank being you. one of our early supporters. I remember our first event, Shoe Palace on Melrose. Shut it down, shut it down Melrose, yeah. for sure. That was amazing. So I'm just curious, what made you initially, you know, sign on to, to this mission that we had, and, and, and what made you be a part of, of this journey? 
Well, when you guys came to my office, you guys were explaining who Gary Vee is. We knew who he was. We just didn't know at what level he can actually sell shoes. Because yeah. everybody, everybody in the industry is always like, oh, we can sell shoes with my name on it. It really doesn't work. So you guys came in, you guys pitched it. What, what really surprised me is when we were trying to actually do this collab, and you guys were in our office, and they actually called Gary, and Gary answered the phone. And I'm fucking, I'm blown away. I'm like, how the fuck did this guy answer the phone? <laughs> and they asked him right then and there, are you willing to do a collab? Are you willing to do things? He's like, yeah, let's look at it, let's talk about it, let's, let's, let's see what happens. And then we actually did it, and it was phenomenal. Like, we only work with partners that are actually real partners. Like, everybody wants to work with, with collabs and do this and do different things. We work with all the brands, but K-Swiss actually stepped up and was like, let's really do it, let's do it right. And from the box to the hang tags to printing inside the insole, it's like, it's the little details that they didn't want to skip. And I feel like, thank you to Gary and K-Swiss, it's like the energy that this created for the K-Swiss brand and the Shoe Pals brand was amazing. And, I, and I, it, it means a lot to us, especially as a family, to have commercial name inside the actual shoe blew us away, by the way, so thank you for allowing all that stuff. But I feel like it's a partnership and it's gonna hopefully keep growing. And then we believe in Gary and I feel like everybody's here for a reason. So I feel like, thank you. And thank you to K-Swiss for allowing us to be partners. For me, a big thing, yeah, for me. I remember that call really well and I, you know, what was, I have such a big advantage because I grew up as a retailer. So I have such deep empathy for like what's going through the minds. Like to me, that's always been my calling card and in retail, it's the easiest one. Like empathy, it's why I named the wine that, is like why I'm a good salesman. I know what you're thinking, thus I'm gonna navigate towards that. Um, so it was a really great call because like I just know and then, and then the other thing is I'm always willing to work. Like to your point, and you said it subtly, I'll put it a little more bluntly, there's a lot more famous people than me that don't sell sneakers because the contract is they'll do one appearance once for an hour, they're gonna show up 37 minutes late, they're gonna leave eight minutes early, yep. which means they did dick shit, nothing fucking at all. <laughs> and just because your voice is cute and you're good at fucking music doesn't mean anybody wants to fuck with you on your sneaker. Do you know how many of you buy this stuff out of guilt? That's a, like, like I know exactly why people buy it. Like I'm providing so much value with no other ask. You're, you're like, well, I'm gonna buy a pair of sneakers anyway. And like, I don't give this guy anything anyway. So like, oh, those are fresh, I'll buy them. Like, like, and, and when you're bringing so much value, one of the things that I've really been thinking a lot about this year is how many times people stop me in an airport or an event like this or what have you and they freak out and they're people of the industry, right? Especially fancier events where there's cooler people. Like a lot of people will, like I'm just, I'm just being, like, I mean this, like really like VIP events, there's inevitably like somebody like who will freak out and they'll be like, I never freak out. And what they're basically saying to me is, I've met way more famous people than you and there was no reaction. Why am I getting emotional or why do I want to take this selfie with you? And it, and it for, and you know, I was, and I'm like, listening, right? So like this is happening and happening, of course for like my ego and all that, it's awesome. But I'm interested, right? So I'm thinking and then I'm like finally it just made a lot of sense. It's like look, you can, listen, I love the weekend and future as much as anybody else. But like an artist that puts out good music, outside of like a singular song that changed your life, it's just good music. Where is somebody who's putting out content that's desperately, desperately trying for your life to be better and wants nothing in return, you're gonna have a different reaction when you meet that person than if somebody can drop 54 points a night. It's just different. Thank you, Gary. You're welcome. And I I think that long-winded, 
humble brag is, is positioned for one reason. You need to figure out how to bring so much value that whatever you're trying to accomplish just naturally happens because you built so much leverage by giving. This is why I get mad when you don't reply to the eight people that do leave a comment for you on your social media. You're trying to get bigger and you don't have time for the eight people that actually care about you right now. I mean, listen, you're holding it. That book, The Thank You Economy, that's the one for me and I say it all the time. It's the one that sold the least and it's the one that means the most to me because I'm a product tonight of somebody who from 2007 to 2011 went to sleep at 4 a.m. because I would not go to sleep until every tweet directed at me got responded to. Now the math has won and I've kind of, you know, it just, I'm not gonna win that game, but like most of you who have ambitions can still and you don't and I'm really trying to put pressure on that conversation. 11 fans become 22 if you actually give a fuck about those 11. And nobody does, they take it for granted. They do a collab with a great brand, they put their name on it, they think one photo shoot and one fucking appearance at the biggest retail store they can go to is gonna sell it and it's just, we have too many options. We have too many options. I get eight ready to be applied for the too. So I've, all, I've said this like a thousand times. I almost feel like I, I say it too much, but I praise Gary Vee for being such a great partner. And I've worked with so many celebrities and done so many different celebrity collaborations and partnerships where they did exactly what you mentioned. It's like one tweet, I'll do this for 10 minutes and, and it ends up not selling at all. And I've been a part of selling out in one minute and selling a thousand pairs in 30 seconds. <laughs> and I've, I've been a part of all these collaborations. So I wonder for you, what, what are the tips that you would give to be a, a good partner? I really, really, really think, and this was the energy of the call, which is why I thought it went so well, and I remember the call very, very well. I went into that call with only one agenda. They call, they're like, we're here with them. I'm like, and immediately my brain goes into, I need to make it very obvious to them that I'm gonna bring more value to them than they're gonna to bring to me. That is basically how I think about my life. That's why I have a shirt that's 5149. That is a framework for me, right? Like, it's so smart. Do you know how great my life is? Nobody on earth has leverage on me. I don't allow anybody to give me more value than I give to them. I don't allow it. And almost everybody else I watch in life does it the reverse. They're trying to get more value out of the other party. I, I want the leverage. I want the leverage, that's what it is. Like, what if you need it for a rainy day? Do you know how many people, you know how many umbrellas I'm gonna have on my rainy day? All of them. <laughs> Luckily it's not raining tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that was really well done, Patrick. No umbrellas needed, no umbrellas needed. That was good MC work, <laughs> good MC work. Okay, so. Both of you guys work really closely with your family. Mm. And one of the questions that we got tonight is as far as the Mershow family and the, the Vaynerchuk family, how do you navigate working with siblings, brothers, and, and survive it? It's, it's so, I mean, the thought, the, the outrageous level of execution that your parents did to create a scenario where four brothers can coexist in a business is remarkable, like honestly. For me, it's a very similar thing. Both with my brother and my dad, 
we just a hair loved each other more than the business. Like that's what it is. It's like a, right? It's like a fine, like I'm talking some .0001 shit. <laughs> and that is it. And like I, I, most family businesses don't end up well because emotions run deep and like, yeah. I'm, I'm in family businesses. When he just said, I'm probably the most aggressive one, I promise you the other brothers said some shit in their head and like, I'm the good looking one or I'm the smarter one or like, it's, com- it's just that way. Like when he delivered the line, I'm like, oh, I start, and they're thinking some shit right now. Like, because I do that with my dad and brother. Anytime they do anything, even remotely, like I'm this, I'm already countering it in my head because that's the nature of what it is. But when you actually just love, I mean, and listen, I've been in a very unique spot. I've been the, disproportionate driver of growth and like money and have not had very good deals, right? I own, I own zero percent of Wine Library. I'm the operator that took it from four million to 60 million. I started a company with my brother when he came out of school and we were 50-50. Like, like I, I sit in front of you tonight as a 43-year-old man who's made two very bad deals in the companies that he's run in his career. Uh, that's just the truth. And, and I say that for many different reasons. One, because it doesn't phase me for a couple reasons. One, I believe in the hyperbole that I pushed down your throat, which is we're all still young. I still have a lot of time to do mine. Two, every dynamic's different, right? I wanted to pay back my parents for what they did for me. I had the best parents in the world. My parents came to America with nothing. Like my dad worked every minute to give me even the chance to work in his store and like it feels good to be even, have the leverage with my parents which is something most people never get to achieve. With my brother, he's 11 years younger. So there was more of like almost like a fatherly thing than even a brother thing, right? And so like, you know, it is what it is and, and so it's just love over money. I don't know what else to say. Nice. All right, so we've done the 001, 002, crushing it. There was a little mm-hmm. tour that we, we went to a few different places, including the Shoe Palace pop up mm-hmm. on Melrose. Yep. We're, we're gonna stop by. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, Gunna, who's probably like a top five rapper now in the game, just like was driving by and came in. And uh, it's, anyway, nonetheless, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, well. I don't want to get on a tangent. Also, I've seen Jerry Lorenzo yeah. and, uh, and Jaden Smith wait in line to meet you as well. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I've seen it all, right? Dan Gilbert. Um, that yeah, was good. Yeah, remember I mean, that? It's, it's literally been the same, this journey we've been on. But what I'm curious about is how has the movement, because especially with Clouds and Dirt, like I mean, it's the latest sneaker that we launched in July. It felt more like a movement than, than anything that we've done. There was so many pairs by comparison. I mean, no. look, I think, look, couple things. One, I can't tell you how much it excites me that you're here tonight if your plan is to flip the sneaker you got. Like, I, I mean that. I mean that, right? We didn't make that many pairs. It's super hard to get. Yeah. For, like, if you live in Australia, like, I'm watching what's, like, to me, this is so full circle. Like, I grew up going to dollar stores and like, if it was, like, if I was a kid today, it would be sneakers, not baseball cards, because that's the baseball cards of today. Um, 
I love that we're part of this project where everybody's winning, right? Like K-Swiss is winning. I'm winning because I've proven to a lot of people that I had the ability to transfer my brand into something. But the people that are actually fans of my work, like the thought that somebody's gonna make 100 or $150 in profit off this and get to see me and like get to hang, like that pumps me up. Like a lot of people who are doing stuff are like hitting me up and they're like, why do you encourage or why are you happy that people are buying your shit and flipping it? I'm like, cause they're making money. <laughs> like, and it was funny, like, like it's been really interesting. Like they're confused, they're like, don't you feel taken advantage of? I'm like, of course not. Like if I felt taken advantage of, we'd raise the price to 200 bucks. Like, like we're in control. Like we, like we can do whatever the fuck we want. Like to me, to me, it, there's something very positive about the thing. By the way, all the people that fucked up and sold crushing it, because there's only 600 pairs of it, they fucked up. Because let me just make it perfectly clear to everybody who's planning on buying these and selling it and only making $100 in profit. I, over the next five decades, I'm gonna go on to be a disproportionately impactful human being. Which means that the sneakers that are associated with me way back when in 2018 are gonna sell on the eBay of the day in 30 years for $4,000 a pair. And I'm gonna make fun of you for only making 100 in profit. So, 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 K-Swiss wins, Shoe Palace wins, you win on your short-term $100 flip. But the five or 10 homies who I'm watching from afar who are stacking up and getting all the pairs and flip it in seven years for a thousand a pair, they're gonna win too. And the motherfucker that buys it for a thousand a pair in 2025, she's gonna win too because I'm gonna keep fucking winning to make sure that when she flips it in 2030 for three, and so to me, it's actually how I think about cryptocurrency. I think eventually the blockchain is going to be where reputation trades and so like one day my biggest goal in life is that if anybody fucks with me that they get more value than I got out of them and so this in a very interesting micro is the manifestation of that. Bet you didn't think that was going to be the answer. So just in case you guys are wondering this was like my first video with Gary. (laughs) When we play that tape back, this is exactly what it's gonna look like. Poor Patrick, I was so fired up. And this was a t- it, it was it was like an eight o'clock, it was like a late meeting and I and I was just like, oh shit, he's hype. I, he's turned up. The funniest part about that, that was that was actually right before my whole Instagram world completely exploded. So I had a lot of empathy for Patrick because it wasn't as obvious as it would be today. It was like right on the cut, like the timing, Barney deserves a lot of you know, oh, you always want to buy shit right before it goes, and that's what he did. Yeah, I think I think at that point it was at like three hundred thousand on Instagram, and now you're at how many million? So four point six. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So again, we're celebrating twenty-five years. We have a shoe, the SP twenty-five. Um, I'm just wondering, what was the inspiration behind creating this this new style? You mean? Physically, I think for me, one of the things that's so fun about this long-lasting project, and we're obviously, we had a, like, just for context, we're having design meetings before this tonight. It's fun to like play with different things, right? Like the 004 is a very different look than anything we've done so far. So for this, like very honestly, one of the things that I love about this project is I'm not, unlike that dude, I'm not disproportionately overpassionate about design. 
I'm probably a very easy passive, right? Yeah, it was the best meet. It was the, we left so high. We called Well, today we got, like, yeah, today, you called him. I, called I came him up with guys. something today and DRock's got the film. We got something really brewing. But I mean on this, I mean this is much more Tyler and like I'll be honest with you. I just saw a picture of it at some point. I was like, yeah, that looks fresh. Yeah. Like I, I care about this. This is what I care about. I care about this Q&A, like seeing your faces, people I've interacted with. I'm like, oh, they look a little different than they do on social. You know, like, <laughs> I care about this, seeing faces I know. You know, like, I, I, this is me, Colin, like this is me. Like the design, like this is very Gucci, like very swagged out, like I like it. I like that it's different, yeah. but it could have been anything, right? Like it really could have, because that's not where I, you know, some people, I'm sure, like spend six fucking months on every little, like the leather and the fucking, this logo here. Like they get very passionate about design. That's amazing. Thank God those people exist. This was literally a picture that like, I'm sure Tyler spent time on it because he's passionate about that. Like, but Tyler, I'm right, right? You were just like, here it is. I'm like, looks great. Like, I'm, I think I'm right about that, right? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, so for me, that's why it looks this way because you and Tyler probably came up with some shit. <laughs> What's that? Well, it's a it's the outsole of the of the Donovan, but a, a new a new upper. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I fucking I wouldn't know if Donovan punched me in the fucking mouth, you know, like I and I think honestly I do think that there's something to take away from that here. I think way too many people spend too much time on trying to be better at things that they're not good at, and I'm just really passionate about people triple downing on what they're great at and surrounding themselves with people that um, do those other things. We're just in a culture where we sell on like fixing our shortcomings and I'm fascinated by that because I don't see success in that framework. I don't, I don't, most people who try to spend all their time rounding out all their shortcomings aren't the ones that I see as happy or as successful as the ones who become just micro-focused on their superpower and then are able, because a lot of people are great at their superpower but then they fuck it up, are able to also have enough juice to surround themselves with the shortcomings. When you were literally, we had a nice little joke backstage, right? When you were like, introing me, you're like, there's nothing he can't do and I'm like, I can't read. <laughs> this is real, like the reason like, I don't, like the reason I do everything like, Tyler knows, I have to do, anytime an executive in my company sends me something important, and that's more than three sentences, my reply is always, Tyler, set up a five minute call. Because I need to hear it to like grasp it. I can't read it. So that's just self-awareness. Like t- today, back to the questions, what book have you read that really helped you? I'm like, none. I don't read books. And then people like think that I'm trying to be cool or like mean. It's just, it's not how I consume information. And so I think self-awareness, man, we really need to get on this conversation and culture. Like, you have to figure out who you are. If you have that blueprint, you can navigate in a totally different way towards happiness. I hate how many people here follow your passion and think it's delusion or like the secret or like, right? It's so practical. It just takes a lot of patience and a lot of down hours from whatever you have to do to like live your life. But Please do understand this internet thing. It's still young, it's still early, and society hasn't calibrated it. Like we are all humans during the beginning stages of a mature internet. That is a real gift. 
That is no different than the humans that bought up all of Manhattan, right? Like it's a thing and I don't think we understand it. I mean this. And so like, you know, we're just going through it but like there are so many people that are unhappy that could be happy if they were willing to put in the work after hours because they believed it was practical. I think it's practical and I think most people think it's delusional and I think that's a very big delta. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. You mentioned earlier that you're solution oriented, right? And so I was, I mean, positivity and I feel like being solution oriented kind of like link up. And so one of the things on the shoes is being positive. And so how has positivity impacted your business? I mean, any entrepreneur that's successful has to rely on positivity because it's not rational. You know, like. The segue conversation from like, we're selling sneakers here at this flea market to we're gonna have 3,000 employees and all these stores is not a rational one. It's, it's why students and entrepreneurs are so different. It doesn't play out on an Excel sheet. And so, for me, positivity is my natural DNA. It's the environment my mother created. But it is an entrepreneurial one. Like, I remembered something that really kind of struck me, which is, the car washing, like 90 people said no. Four said yes, but it took me 30 years to remember that people said no, right? And you know, and so like, when you are this, you're only focused on the yeses or the positivity. You don't, it's a net game. The amount of mistakes you guys have made is ludicrous, right? It's just, you don't think about them when you're making progress, and so, you know, I think positivity is very real. It's also practical. Again, humans are remarkable. We've had bombs that could wipe us all out for 70 years. Why haven't we used them? Humans are inherently surviving each other. Like, we're so good. And so, yeah, I just, I see the positive in anything and everything, including when it's micro detrimental, like passing on Uber and losing out on $400 million, good. Now it gives me something to tell people that I fucked up on. You know, like, like I just, that's literally how my head works. Like, I don't, I don't know. And so, I, I love positivity. I'm, I hate cynicism. There's nothing that I hate more than cynicism. Because you're making judgment without full context. So that, people that are positive versus people that are negative are completely exposed every day. Because we're making, one of the things that I'm trying to talk a lot more about lately is judgment. We're just, everyone's just in full judgment mode because everyone's got social and they can add their two cents and nobody knows shit. Like people are always like, Gary Vee, why can you handle so much criticism? I'm like, because they don't know me. They have no idea what's happening in my bedroom, in my bank account, in my tax returns, in my private meetings. Like, how could I possibly take any weight? I only care about what people, I care about what you think about me because you know me. I care about what Colin thinks about me. He knows me. Right, like that's what I care about. I can't care about Sally Pants 63. <laughs> right, because, because what's happening now is we're exposing ourselves. Sally Pants 63 saying I suck shit, that means her life sucks. <laughs> if you have time to leave negative comments on somebody else's social media, your life is not in a good place. It's the quickest tell. Like I have no time to do that. Because my life is good, I'm busy, I'm doing shit. No time to consume your video and decide you're a dork. <laughs> it's ludicrous. So, 
I think what I, I think a lot of people right now think that technology is changing us, and I think it's exposing us, which is why we're going through a lot of heat right now. Which which I'm excited about. It's one step backwards, two steps forward, and I'm excited that we're finally, especially America, facing a lot of its shortcomings. And I do think over a hundred year window, this this will be looked back at the moment where a lot of good happened to our society because we had to face so many of our true shortcomings that we didn't want to face and they've been hidden by mainstream media. So it hurts. A lot of us have to deal with shit that maybe we don't want to, but I promise you, watch how, remember when you're super duper old, this combo, we are headed in the right direction. We're just gonna have to deal with some shit over the next 10, 15 years to reconcile the shit we've been hiding conveniently through mainstream media. All right, so the one thing that I wanna know is, I mean, and I don't even know this, is that What's next? I mean, I think that 25 years and 100 and no tell 90 something stores and being Gary Vee, I don't even I don't even know what that means. You know, like I, I look at it and I try to understand, but I don't, I don't necessarily understand. But I would love to know what's next in your mind. We're trying to buy the Jets. What's the next <laughs> it's, a <laughs> it's a race. It's a race. Good line. There's a lot of things that's next for us. I feel like 2019 for us and the Shoe Palace brand is going to be amazing. We got a lot of things cooking, like you guys have stuff cooking. We're definitely going to do some amazing things the next year. We're going to definitely change the shoe industry. You guys will all hear about it probably soon, but we're definitely making deals now to really expose nice. everything for us. So for it's you. a blessing. So. You know, I, I don't, I don't really think in one year terms, I really don't. Obviously there's things I'm gonna do, we're gonna announce a very big addition to the VaynerX company roster early next year, but I'm a very like, I'm truly a marathon runner. You know, like much of the same, but then inevitably no different, like the year that Barney Cold emailed me and said let's have a, we'd like to have a, I'm the president of K-Swiss, I'd like to have a meeting. There was no six months earlier me sitting up here saying, I'm gonna do a shoe next year. I'm. You know, it's funny. It's been funny to see Floyd Mayweather become kind of like that boxer of this generation because he's so different than what we grew up with with Tyson and Ali. It's so defense. It's actually counterpunching. He's not as boring as like a lot of people want to say if you actually understand the science of his craft. And that's how I am. I, I'm much more reactionary. I create a brand which then creates opportunities for people to come to me and then I'm reacting to what's being thrown at me. So no question, the signature thing that I do in 2019 is actually brewing in some woman's head right now in Tennessee or some guy in Jersey. Like It's in somebody else's head about to come to me and I'm gonna know what to do with it when it gets in front of me. And so for me, the counterpunching of the halo that I'm creating, and I think that is that's a framework that works for me. More case with sneakers maybe? No. Yeah, there's so much in the micro, right? There's so yeah. many things I'm planning, but, but I think what building a brand does is allows things to come to you and then you can be thoughtful about which one feels right. Um, and that's what I'm doing. Nice, nice, make some notes. I think this is a great time for some questions that we have from the audience. Um, David Udershaw had a question and he's gonna ask it right now. 
What do you think, David? David. Such a go-getter. First question, from bro. Stanford. Hey, brother, how are you? Nice to see you. Good to see you. Finally. Thank you. Um, my question was about uh, being a young person in a managerial role, yes. where you are in charge of older people, people. significantly older than yeah. you. Yeah. How do you build respect? And how do you how do you build Actions. Relationships? Actions. I went through it, and I had the I had the fact that I was the boss's son in the liquor store which sucked, right? Because everybody thinks it's nepotism and it's the only way you do it is through actions. And, and you have to have empathy. You have to have empathy. Somebody's 42 years old, they don't want you fucking telling them what to do. So I did it through empathy, really. And just patience and, and action, right? I do think like it's on you to go the extra mile and it's like on you to be like their shield. I, I won a lot of them over when I would take bullets that weren't even my mistakes, right? Um, they appreciated that, that's what leadership's about. You're working for them, bro. Like that's the biggest thing that most managers and owners don't understand and they clearly do. I listened carefully to the answers here. We work for them. I work for my 900 employees and I think a lot of times, especially when you're young, you get to a managerial place and you're like, oh, they, they work for me, right? And a lot of people go there, it's literally the reverse. You will always win that game if you take that point of view. Thank you. You got it. Well look, I mean look, anytime you work somewhere you have to play within the framework. It was really funny. It's funny for you to ask that question. It just took me back to 2009, 10, 11 where so much government officials, corporate officials, everybody was trying to reconcile with like they could tweet but they, everyone, everything was fear. I'm one tweet away from getting fired. You know? And so like, that's just real. Like to me, like the game you play, just like for me, there is no last line of defense. One of the best things, how many people here work for someone? Raise your hand. Good. The great thing about that is there's somebody else to blame. (laughs) You know, so I have full freedom where I'm not scared to get fired for saying something stupid. On the flip side, I have the anxiety of every morning when I wake up, I have to grab my phone and make sure something bad didn't happen in London or LA or like you're the last line of defense. So first it's reconciling that you don't have the luxury of the other person, right? You don't have that luxury of like creating a personal brand outside that framework. You do have the luxury, potentially, and I don't know every dynamic, of building or creating content around a different subject matter than what you do, right? So. You know, I think the, the more important part for me next is like what are you really asking? Are you asking how to use social media to your advantage? Uh, I'm asking, you talk about hustle and, and the time. Uh, well, again, I, it took me a long time to get here. Uh, are you happy in it? I am happy in it. So that's good. Yeah. So now you have to play within the rules of that. Okay. Right? right. Like. You shouldn't be deploying mine or anybody else's blueprint. You knew how to get there. You know all the nuances of what that machine likes and doesn't like. Just like on my team, Tyler, DRock, they know on my team, I like work ethic. Like I'm not pumped when somebody leaves at six. Doesn't feel good for me. Good news, you could work at VaynerMedia. They leave at six all day long. But if you're on Team Gary, not as much. That's just the truth, by the way. And I tell them all the time, you wanna work in the machine? Go work in the machine, like, I don't judge. But like this one, mm, this is the rule, and so you know the rules of that. And if you're happy, that's awesome. How long have you been there? 16 years. So you're set, in my opinion, I mean this. If you've been there that long, you know every nook and cranny of what's acceptable, 
and you're happy, so keep playing in that fucking framework. Do, do you recommend any risk outside of that? Or? I do if you want a creative itch. Okay. You know, I don't think talking about your shit that you're happy about, there's no upside for rocking the downside. But like if you're also super into Pac-Man, you should start a Pac-Man blog. I mean that, I mean that. I think, I think you don't have to make your content or your social media about your work. There's so many other layers to you. Maybe you want to talk about fatherhood. Maybe you want to talk about, you know, maybe you want to be incognito about how to navigate a, you know, maybe you don't have to expose that it's you. Like there's a lot of ways to play. To me it's always upside versus downside. They decided what the upside was of this pop-up for two years versus the downside. You're making, to me it's, the thing that I always tell people is, it's a, like people are always like asking me questions and I'm like, but what's the alternative? Right? So I think hearing yours, I think if you want that outlet, I would do it about a different subject matter because it creates no vulnerability for something you're happy with. Okay, all right, Thanks, you, got, you got it, bro. Nobody's producing enough content, not even me. And the reason most people don't create content is because of fear. Most accountants are scared that they're one piece of content away from losing a customer versus one piece of content away from gaining one. That's the answer. Most accountants also aren't creative enough to create a piece of content. Like you have, even just the way you're asking the question, look, you were gifted with what I'm gifted with. Like a level of charisma or communication skill is not just handed out on tree, like charisma is rare. That's why it works. Like and so, you know, I think that for me, what accountants need to do and what everybody needs to do here is, if you're sitting being like, yeah, I'm not charismatic, but you may be domain expertise. To me, the reason I talk a lot about writing and audio and video is because there's a lot of people that are nervous in front of a camera, right? They don't like the way they look. They just, they, they freeze up and that's fine. Maybe like I, I, Colin wrote for me. Colin probably, Colin even more than DRock, well DRock, but like DRock and Tyler know so much about me but Colin who was, what, one year? Like how, a little over a year. But he wrote for me. He had to listen to everything and then transcribe and then call me and get, so he's deeply in there but like, I didn't need to hire Colin if I could write but I can't. I can talk my ass off but I can't write. And so for me, what the account, to answer your question, I believe every accountant on earth should be producing content for LinkedIn organically in 2019. They will get a lot more business. The problem is, if they're looking at me, they may think they have to be like me and they don't. Like you could be a monotone, but if you're a deep expertise in like no tax zones or what's that, or other things of that nature, like you have to lean into who you are. So if you're a good writer and you're like boring but super detailed, I'll be very frank with you. I'd much rather have a boring, super detailed accountant than anybody that looked like me right, in accounting. And so I think leaning into your strengths of communication, but I will say this for anybody. I'm obsessed with LinkedIn as a 2019 arbitrage. I fully predict, because I'm seeing it already, that Instagram organic reach is gonna decline, which is gonna bug the shit out of everybody here, right? Because everybody's got so, the amount of people that are singularly at the mercy of Instagram in our society right now is stunningly high. They're all about to be in for a rude awakening because they haven't looked in history to what happened on MySpace and Facebook. So they're in deep shit over the next three years. So for everybody here that's deep into Instagram, you need to start diversifying. 
But if you're in B2B or in services, LinkedIn Organic 2019, I'm extremely bullish. And as a matter of fact, there's some B2B fuckers in the house. I'm gonna throw a different curveball. If you're in B2C, if you're, I'll give you one. I told Jordan, my trainer, I said, Jordan, you need to start making content for LinkedIn. It just needs to be titled five minute workouts for people that travel 300 days a year because that's in a business, right? Like you need to conform, you need to conform into the context of the platform. My content on Instagram is going to be different than my content on LinkedIn. We're not making enough contextual creative for the place you're deploying it. My vibe in here is very different than when I'm having this talk with 100 CPG 60-year-old executives. We, we are not nuanced or contextual or chameleon-like enough with our content. We take a piece of content and then we post it everywhere as if they're the same, they're not. So that's what I think the accountants have to think about. You're welcome, buddy. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming. Do me a favor and make all the noise in the world for... Oh, yeah.